It is time for people of faith to stand up, rise up, and push back. This is Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. So I started preparing for this weekend edition radio program and podcast. And I'm putting together all the little pieces that I want to use and share with you today. I have got a lot of material, a lot of things you need to hear, all condensed into one program, and I hope you'll stay with me. As I was getting the program ready, I decided to check my messages and emails before I sat down before the microphone to start. And I got a message from somebody in Australia. And this person had recently discovered the program Truth to Ponder Down Under. I've had uh, George Christensen, who is in the parliament in Australia as a guest in the program. This individual happens to work as an employee of the Senate in Australia. He's also an individual of faith. And sometime very soon, he will be a guest on this program to give you some of the updates happening in Australia. People of faith have sat on the sidelines too long and just been observers. We've been spectators with this world unraveling around us. And the time to stand up, as the one great hymn says, Rise up, O men of God, who've done with lesser things. It is time for those who are people of faith to stand up and to push back. This has been coming for a long time. It didn't happen this year. It didn't happen in the last two years, five years, or ten years. It's taken decades. It's taken a century or more to get to the place we are today. It never gets better. We may get a brief period of respite. But when we get this time of respite, what do we do as Christians to be salt and light in this world? Last weekend, I spent a lot of time talking about salt and light. Salt and light. We find that in the Bible. Salt, back in ancient times and even a hundred years ago, was used as a preservative. Light, of course, is self-explanatory. Evil loves darkness and it despises, it hates the light because the light shows exactly how ugly and evil evil really is. We live in a time today where evil is being glorified in our governments like we've never seen before. Western governments that should know better. Western governments like the United States. And I'm going to be talking about the United States, but everything I have to say applies across the entire planet. I don't care if you're in Australia, New Zealand. I know we have listeners there, Canada, the United Kingdom, anywhere this program is heard. It is time for people of faith to say enough is enough. Stand up and be counted and stop being cowards. Stop putting your light under a bushel barrel where it cannot be seen. Put it on a hill where it can be seen by all. This is where the church has made a huge mistake. Too many Christians try to just get along and be nice. Play nice. Be nice people. Just tolerate, just put up with, just accept the reality of how bad this world has has become. 
I don't see anywhere in the scripture where it says to be compliant to the things of this world. It's not there. We are to take a stand for Jesus Christ, whatever the cost. If you can't afford the cost, then you're not a follower of Christ. I don't know how much clearer I can make it. Here in the United States, and I know this is, this is true everywhere, we can look at all the coronavirus restrictions and shutdowns, and, and I don't care what you're feeling about the virus is, churches were singled out very differently than any other group or business or organization. They've endured the harshest restrictions of any other entity, period. I've said it before, here in the United States, you had places where your building could seat a thousand, but you're only allowed 10 people because of coronavirus fear. Didn't matter how big your building was. They were just absurd restrictions made by people who have no faith. I'll just come out and say it. They're doing Satan's work, whether they know it or not, or believe it or not. Then we have here in the United States, education being used as indoctrination. Now, when I went to high school 50 some odd years ago, I never felt, and nobody really talked in our community that our schools were being used as indoctrination centers. And I I look back now and I don't think they were. But in this half a century since I left high school, things have changed dramatically. Loudoun County, Virginia, stands out as one of those places in the United States where some very strange aberrations are occurring. School boards are pushing things that are so in contradiction to what is taught in the scripture. It is an anathema to family and family values, righteousness, and all things that are good. Transgender. It's kind of a new thing. I don't care what they try to tell you. It is rather a new thing. And in Loudoun County, Virginia, they've been trying to push all this transgender bathroom stuff in the in the middle schools and high schools. And we're supposed to accept it. A father, a father of a young girl who got raped in a girl's room by a boy wearing a skirt. He's the one that is taken out of a school board meeting when he dares challenge the mandates of this ridiculous school system. We see it all over. People of faith are being marginalized, mocked, ridiculed, and being told to shut up and disappear. Well, the time has come. If you are truly people of God, you're going to stand up against this this evil. That's all it is, is pure evil. It's satanically inspired evil. And it's time for us to stand up and be counted. We can't sit on the sidelines any longer. Look, I know that the day is going to come that this world is going to self-destruct, but that does not mean that we sit by on the sidelines and do nothing. We stand in opposition to the evil that we see. We'll be talking about it a lot in the days and weeks ahead. Thinking about Virginia, what's been happening in Loudoun County, and it's happening in other places around the United States too, and it's just Loudoun County is 
right now in the spotlight because of what's going on in the state of Virginia with the governor's election. And I want you to listen carefully. This is a little montage of people on the mainstream media like MSNBC, NBC, ABC, CBS, and CNN. And and this is how educators, this is how politicians, this is how the woke crowd thinks of anybody that cares about their children and what is right and wrong. Listen carefully to what they have to say about you if you're a believer in Jesus Christ. And it doesn't matter what part of the world you live in. It is the same across the globe. Violent-looking, angry, spewing parents outside of these schools. Individuals intent on creating chaos for the sake of creating chaos. These actions could be the equivalent to a form of domestic terrorism. This becomes a security crisis, in a sense, for the nation. This may also mobilize even more law enforcement. To, to be at these meetings. It is dangerous to our children when the parents themselves are the school bullies. I think one of the worst things is the actions at the board meetings. Uh, you know, the, the, the calling of names, you know, the, you know, tyrant, Marxist, communist. We've never seen anything like we're seeing at these school boards now. What on earth has happened in this country? Sometimes they're not even talking. They are yelling and creating chaos. Things have become so scary at these meetings. I don't think parents should be telling schools what they should teach. New laws may be necessary. There's always the possibility uh, that people will face criminal prosecution for this kind of conduct. The FBI and federal law enforcement is tailor-made for that kind of national-level coordination with state and local police. The attorney general has can put out a letter they will take actions they take what does it mean that something that is generally boring and neutral like a school board meeting has become a locus for violence you look at the rage the anger you think what is this doing to the children in those homes and their mental health we have a board of ed working with the local school boards to determine the curriculum for our schools you don't want parents coming in in every different school jurisdiction and they want to shut down our schools and you know move kids over to charter schools and private schools um, without the oversight of the state and that's wrong no what you're doing is wrong you have no authority over children It is not your place in government to think that you own and control and mold and rule the children of this world. I want to make something clear. I remember this back in 2009. And I thought things were bad back in the 90s at times. And I look back now, what we have today versus 10 years ago, 20 years ago, even back to the Jimmy Carter years in the the 70s. I have never seen anything like I'm seeing today in our world. I can't imagine, I can't imagine when I went to high school allowing young men to go into young women's bathrooms. I can't imagine a history teacher willingly teaching phony history. I'm sorry, but the 1619 Project is fake and phony rewritten history. This is what Read the book 1984. The statues are taken down. History is rewritten. There's only an ever-present moving forward. There is no past. There is no future just today. And this is what they're trying to get our young people to be a part of. A narrative. Entertaining with their cell phone, their music. Think of the lyrics and songs today. I can remember when I worked 
as a young disc jockey like 50 years ago, a half century ago. The stuff that gets on the radio today, let alone the unfiltered stuff your kids buy, you couldn't even buy in a store back when I came along. They didn't exist. People didn't stand for it. But gradually, a little bit of erosion over time. You don't see it. It's the old, you know, boil the frog. Throw a frog in hot water, he jumps out. Put him in cool water and slowly warm it up. He stays, gets comfortable until he's boiled to death. This is what is happening today in many of our public schools in the United States. And if we don't stand up now, if we do not allow ourselves to be counted, if we are too lazy to go to vote, then we get what we deserve. If you're not willing to stand up to defend your children and your grandchildren, and in some cases out there, your great-grandchildren, then what are you good for? We are told in the scripture to raise our children in the fear and admonition of the Lord, not in the fear and the admonition and worshiping the state and celebrating sin. These are not the things that Christian parents are called to do. But when you send your children in so many of these schools, like in Loudoun County, Virginia, that is what you're doing. You're saying, Satan, here's my child. Raise him or her. It's time to stand up and to break these chains, these chains of oppression. The entire pandemic has been used. I'm not going to get into any of all the detail, but let's let's face it. It is a man-made virus from a laboratory that escaped or was released. I don't know which. Doesn't matter. It's, it's a plague on the planet. And those that created this horror, this horror show, they're the ones that are trying to fix it. They're not in jail or in prison or, or being tried for crimes against humanity. And of course, every despot Every evil governor, every evil legislator, every evil leader across the world has grabbed this pandemic to take control over your life, your finances, and your children. They have made you subject to them. Like I said, 2009, when Barack Obama took office in the United States, he made a statement that stands out in my mind. We will be ready to rule on day one. Well, in the United States, I don't know about your country, We do not elect rulers. We elect leaders that answer to the people, period. We are not electing sovereigns. We do not have a sovereign in the United States. We never have. We're not going to. We don't need one now. But too many in Washington are acting like they are our sovereigns and we are their plebes, their people, their servants. We are here to do their bidding. No, you're here to serve us and be leaders in defending our nation against the same garbage that is coming into the Loudoun County school system and many school systems across the United States. I hope that in Virginia, you rise up against that tyranny and don't allow Terry McAuliffe, a Clinton warmed over despot, to be your governor again. The same in Pennsylvania, New Jersey. It is time to stand up and say enough is enough. We're taking our country back. I don't care what country you live in. 
Maybe you live in Australia. I know I have listeners. Maybe you live in New Zealand. Maybe you live in the United Kingdom. Canada, you've got a, you've got a man-child as your leader trying to be your ruler. They are using the power of the police to put fear into you to be obedient little slaves to them. It is time to stand up and say enough is enough. I'm standing on the word of God. I am defending my family. I am defending my children. I'm standing for righteousness in the name of Jesus Christ. And yes, here in the United States, it's time to take America back. The American dream has become a nightmare. Signs of the time are on cardboard on corners in town Like a cancer that's silently spreading There's an unspoken fear We're on our way down We must take America back Main Street to Wall Street Cities and states Washington, D.C. Before it's too late, there's not long. We need leaders who lead us, not stick us and bleed us, then ransom our future and our children's. That's wrong. We must take America back as liberty weeps, our forefathers spin in their graves. Some way out of this mess We must take America back Lord knows they'll try To silence our voices They'll pretend to be patriots Fighting for fairness for all They're not even fit to hold office What they believe doesn't fit with freedom at all We must take America back Main Street to Wall Street Cities and states Washington, D.C. Before it's too late, there's not long Not stick us and bleed us And ransom our future And our children's That's wrong We must take America back As liberty weeps Our forefathers spin in their graves Pray God will bless Some way out of this mess We must take America back
So the question is, how do you take America back? For that matter, how do you take Canada back? How do you take Australia back? How do you recover the United Kingdom? How do you become a blessed nation again? Do you riot in the streets? Maybe. Do you protest? Do you go to school board meetings? Probably. But it really begins with you as an individual. It starts at home with you. It starts with you and your family. You need to first be right with God. You can't go into battle unprepared. The Bible says you put on the armor of faith. The armor of faith. St. Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 6, beginning at verse 10, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in power of his might. Well, If you're not right with God, you have no power. Then in verse 11, put on the whole armor, not part of it, put on the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Man, we're seeing that today here in the United States. We're seeing it in Canada. We're seeing it in New Zealand, Australia, United Kingdom, literally everywhere. We're seeing that kind of evil, spiritual wickedness in high places. Verse 13, Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand the in the evil day, having done all to stand. And we may not win, but we still have to put on the armor of God and we have to fight back. You have to push back. You cannot let evil rule the day. You cannot sit on the sideline. You cannot hide in your church. You can't go off to the mountains and pretend it's not happening. Stand. This is verse 14. Stand therefore having your loins girt about with truth and having on the breastplate of righteousness and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Verse 16. Above all, taking the shield of faith wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. See, you cannot fight in a spiritual battle unless you are prepared to fight in that battle. Just saying I'm an American and I believe in good things and and occasionally I've gone to church back in my lifetime. I know a few verses out of the scripture. That's not enough. You as an individual must be right with God, empowered by his Holy Spirit, washed in the blood of the Lamb, redeemed with your name in the Lamb's book of life. Or you're going to go into battle with no armor, with no protection, fighting it on your own. The prayers of the righteous people can avail much in this world. But see, we don't do that. Too many of our churches are woke and broke. They no longer even believe in what the Bible teaches. They don't don't believe in salvation. They don't believe in righteousness, holiness. None of it anymore. They've thrown it away. They've cast it aside. They've trashed it. 
St. Paul concludes, praying always with all prayer and supplication. And here's the important part, in the spirit, in the spirit, not in your own power, in the spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. You know, Monday is remembered November 1st is All Saints Day. We remember those Christians that have died in the faith, especially those that made a dramatic impact in the world. The things that they did, the things we should exemplify in our own lives. But if you're not right with God, and I think too many of you may not be, we see what's going on in Loudoun, Virginia, Loudoun County, Virginia, as wrong and unrighteous and unholy and literally satanic, but you're not prepared to fight the battle. You're trying to do it on your own power. Standing on a street corner with a sign is fine, but unless you have the, the entire armor of God to protect you, you're not going to avail anything. Start at home. Take control at home of your own life. Stop being more worried about your job. Stop being worried about your finances and and do I have high-speed internet and do I have 300 channels of television to watch? Look for the things that are important in your life, which is having the gospel of peace as a part of who you are, being the whole armor of God upon you so you can go out into this world. You cannot send your children unprepared into the unholy places that are now called public schools. You cannot let the government raise your child for you. You cannot make them their property. Take control of your family. Get right with God. Get into his word. Find a Bible-believing church. Even if it's a fellowship of believers meeting in somebody's living room, you've got to get together and be empowered. In the book of Hebrews, you know, forsaking the assembling of thyselves, as is the manner of some, Too many Christians have taken advantage of the pandemic to avoid having to go to church. Many churches don't have anywhere near the number of people they had in 2019 because people are sitting sitting at home afraid of a virus because the government told them to. And they listen and worship what the government says and reject what the Bible says. And we wonder why we're in the condition and the place we're in today. Listen, 30 years ago, 40 years ago, Preachers and teachers were telling us this day is coming. And people scoffed and they laughed and they didn't pay attention. They went on with their lives and, yeah, we go to church when it's convenient. I've got a great job. The world is good. Taxes are not bad. I can afford my gas and my groceries. And never giving thanks unto God for the things that you do have. We've allowed this to happen because we have turned our back on God and God's hand of blessing has left the United States. It has left Canada. It has left Australia. It has left New Zealand. It has definitely left the United Kingdom. We are now in the extreme minority, those that are true believers in Jesus Christ. But, but if you have the faith, like the grain of mustard seed, the tiniest little seed, you can move a mountain. And if we... Get ourselves right with God first. Get right with God first. Then we can be empowered to do all these things we need to do. When I get back in a couple of minutes here, I'm going to share a couple of more thoughts. 
You know, the Bible teaches something. There's a great hymn of faith. It goes, at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow. And I'm going to share a message on that concept, that the day is coming. These world leaders may mock and curse God, but they will be driven down to their knees with the Shekinah glory of Jesus Christ. We need to be ready ourselves. Do you believe in the ministry we're trying to do here? Would you send me an email? Let me know you listen. I'm Bob at truth2ponder.com. Bob at truth2ponder.com. If you can help us with the November airtime bills coming up, our mailing address, you can make a check payable to Ancient Word Radio. That's Ancient Word Radio. Our mailing address, Truth to Ponder, is 5753 Highway 85 North. 5753 Highway 85 North, number 3248. Number 3248 in Crestview. That's one word, C-R-E-S-T-V-I-E-W, Crestview, Florida, 32536. Once again, 5753 Highway 85 North, number 3248, Crestview, Florida, 32536. This is Truth to Ponder. With Bob Beerman, the mystery of Kimitzion. Shalom Alechem. This is the nice Jewish boy, Jonathan Kahn, your Jewish connection, bringing you the riches of your Jewish roots in Jesus. Now get your pen out as fast as you can so you don't miss out on receiving a special free gift you're going to get and love in a moment. Now in every synagogue, pretty much throughout the world, there's the Torah scroll. And then when the Torah scroll is taken out, they say the words, ancient words, Kimitzion Tetzei Torah Utovar Adonai Me Yerushalayim. And the law shall go forth from Zion and the word of our God from Jerusalem. That's from Isaiah 2. What it's saying is one day the word of God is going to go forth from Jerusalem to all the nations and this is going to be linked to Messiah. Every week they confess this prophecy in the synagogues. Well, has it ever been fulfilled? The answer is yes. That yes. The word of God has gone out to the nations. The word of Israel, the Bible, has gone out. Not through Moses, not through Isaiah, not through David, but through only one, Jesus, Yeshua, Jesus of Nazareth. The only name by which the word of the God of Israel, the Hebrew scriptures, and the gospel has gone out to all nations. Not just gone out, but look where it from. The word of Moses didn't go out from Jerusalem, it went out from Sinai, but the word of Messiah did. It's the only faith that started in Jerusalem, the only Jewish faith that went out from there. That's why he died in Jerusalem and rose again and sent the Spirit on the day of Pentecost in Jerusalem, that the word would be fulfilled, Utovar Adonai Merushalayim, and from Jerusalem the word of God will go out. What about you? Well, if you're in Messiah, you have a commission to spread the word too from Jerusalem. What's Jerusalem? Where you start, your home. That's where the gospel starts. Your relatives, your coworkers, the people you live with, you work with. Spread the word to all nations, but start it at Jerusalem, your home and those closest to you. Start today. Show them love. Give them the good news and Messiah will give you power from on high. He's the one who fulfills the words and the word of the Lord will go forth from Jerusalem. Want more? Ask for the Apostles' Graduation. Now imagine being plugged into a special line let you know on future events, news behind the news, biblical prophecy updates on Israel and what you need to know as an end-time believer and teachings and strength for every day of your week and the incredible mystery of the temple doors all free. How do you get all this? Easy. Just remember Jesus' is the real Hebrew name, Yeshua, and you dial it. That's it. Just dial 1-800-YESHUA-1. You will be blessed, but call now. That's 1-800-YESHUA-1. I invite you to join me to reach the unreached peoples of the world in the most incredible way from Moscow to Madagascar, even to Jerusalem. 
How? Just call 1-800-YESHUA-1. You can have a part in the end time harvest. That's Y-E-S-H-U-A-1. And you can write me direct. Here's how. So write to the nice Jewish boy, Box 1111, Lodi, L-O-D-I, New Jersey, 07644. It's a nice Jewish boy, Box 1111, Lodi, L-O-D-I, New Jersey, 07644. Until next time, this is Jonathan Kahn saying, Shalom Alechem, peace be to you, my friend in Messiah, Ro'eh HaTov, the good and wonderful shepherd of your life. This is Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. And I welcome you back to part two of our weekend edition of the program Truth to Ponder. I'm your host, Bob Bierman. Spent a lot of time in the first segment talking about the world in which we live, the spiritual battles we are about to face like we've never faced, at least in our lifetimes, most of us that are alive today. And I really believe the church became lazy, second place, and unprepared. And that's a bad place to be. We don't understand the the concept of putting on the armor of God. Too many Christians have, they don't even know how to pray anymore. They don't even know how to read their scripture anymore. They don't do it. And we get tossed to and fro by everything that comes along. We saw how fast the church was unprepared when the virus hit. We've been talking for, what, 2,000 years of being prepared for an evil day. And the church was unprepared. This hymn, once to every man and nation comes the moment to decide. In the strife of truth with falsehood, for the good or evil side, some great cause, God's new Messiah, offering each the bloom or blight. And the choice goes by forever, twixt that darkness and the light. How many of you as Christians are no longer savory, usable salt to preserve? How many have hidden your your light, the word of God, under a bushel basket where nobody can see it? It does nobody any good. How many of you are allowing evil to prosper and letting the truth fall into decline and no longer be heard? You know, many have given their life for the faith. Verse number three of that hymn, once to every man and nation, very quickly. By the light of burning martyrs, Christ, thy bleeding feet we track, toiling up new Calvaries ever with the cross that turns not back. New occasions teach new duties. Time makes ancient good uncouth. They must upward still and onward. Who would keep abreast of truth? You'll never take your country back whether it's the United States, Canada, New Zealand, Australia, United Kingdom, you'll never take any of it back if you haven't gotten yourself right with God. And I mentioned before we went to the break that I want to share a message about at the name of Jesus. You know, the day is coming, and and Satan's hordes know it well. They know the day of reckoning is coming, and they will be cast forever into God's hell prepared for them. They want to take as many of us with them as they can. And if you 
if your faith is cheap grace, you know, in other words, it's a faith without repentance, a faith without any change, a faith without without any effort. If you have nothing but cheap grace, you're going to fail. You can be all upset you want about the high gas prices and the shortages in the grocery stores we're seeing in the United States and all the restrictions you're seeing in Australia over a virus. New Zealand, they've gone absolutely insane with what they're trying to do in fighting this man-made virus. This plague on the planet caused by people like Dr. Anthony Fauci and others that have been playing with this stuff for decades. And now it's out in the world and they want to inject children with an unproven vaccine that may ultimately destroy their immune system. The hordes of hell are rejoicing to watch people become servants to their government and no longer followers of Jesus Christ. I keep hearing this word loud in my head, revival. I hear the other word, repentance, restoration. You know, there was a time that I, when I was younger, I didn't think much of tent revivals or things of that nature. But I'm beginning to realize there may be a necessity for it in this world today to get out there in the streets and the byways, be like the early apostles, put your life on the line, Share the gospel with those that don't even want to hear it. In England, there are preachers that get arrested all the time because they're considering much of the Bible hate speech because it it talks about sin. And we want to celebrate sin in, in many of these churches today. They're not churches. They're synagogues of Satan. And it's time for you to come out from amongst them and, and do not touch the unclean thing. The time has come. Jesus is going to come back looking for his bride, the church. Are you ready for the day that he comes? Have you done all the things that God has called you to do? Or are you just a spectator on the sidelines watching videos and complaining? It's time to stop complaining. It is time to start doing. It's time to to decide. Who do you follow? The gods of this world? Or do you follow the King of Kings and Lord of Lords? Be not mistaken. Jesus is going to be coming back. And when he does, and when he is revealed, everybody, the President of the United States, premiers and presidents and kings and leaders, all of them will have one thing in common. They will bow their knee to Jesus Christ. Are you ready? Here's a message I preached a few years ago. On that very topic. Heavenly Father, as we come to this time of hearing your word, I pray you'll open our ears to hear, our eyes to see, and most important, our hearts to receive. For this we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. May be seated. A number of years ago, I heard an expression that says a half truth is a whole lie. And there's a lot of truth in that when you think about it, because normally when somebody uses a, quote, half-truth, they're trying to hide something. They're trying to change the reality. There's another expression I became familiar with not that many years ago, that a half-commitment is no commitment at all. And I had to think about that one when I first heard it. A half-commitment is no commitment at all. Yeah. 
That could be said in relationships that you don't follow through. That could be said in a lot of aspects of, of our lives, whether it's our work life, our personal life, and yes, even our spiritual life. A half commitment is no commitment. Did you notice kind of this thread in the readings today, particularly within the New Testament and the Gospel? We get back to this question about Jesus' authority. You know, the Pharisees are going, who are you and by what authority are you doing these things? Like performing miracles. By what authority? And they were trying, as they often did and always failed, to ask him a question to put him in a bad light. They did not want to concede their perceived power and authority in which they own their religion within the temple. They did not want to give that authority to God's son. Didn't want to do it. One of the greatest problems that I think the church faces today, who's in charge? Where's the authority come from? Does the authority, and I'm not saying this in particular about this church or any church in particular, does the authority of the congregation come from a board, a vestry, a church council, executive committee? Where does the authority come from? I've watched churches argue that it comes from man. And that's kind of what, if you look at what Jesus was saying to these Pharisees, when John baptizes, is this, is this something from heaven? Or is this something of human creation? They didn't want to answer that question either because that puts them immediately subjected under God's authority. And there is where so many in, quote, the church, I use that term loosely, are having issues. We have a, my, my wife is having a lot of fun right now in Florida with a new puppy. We've named him Bentley. He's a cute little cross between a Shih Tzu and I think a Beagle. What a combination. And he's at that point in life where he is beginning to test the waters of who's in charge. And all that goes with it. And I thought about that this morning as I'm thinking about today's message that oftentimes we do the same thing. We kind of challenge God's authority a little bit to see how much we can get for ourselves. I noticed in the readings something else that St. Paul said. We don't do things for God's kingdom, for our own vanity, for our own, you know, extra points. We don't do things for God to be recognized by man. We do things for the kingdom of God because we love him. We want to serve him. And we do it in thankfulness for what he has done for us. 
All this week as I've tried to think about these passages, now we all know where the term sour grapes come from, as we, in our Old Testament lesson, it always came down to authority, majesty, divinity. Jesus has authority because he is sent from his Father in heaven. He is divinity. He created us. The psalmist once said, he created us, not we ourselves. But we often act like we created us. Something I've also have been really thinking about over the past several years and in the ministry and work that I do. We are increasingly, increasingly trying to have God conform to us rather than us conforming to what he would have us to be. I have come to conclude in the 20 some odd years of preaching ministry that I've had and being a church pastor, the greatest problems and dissensions and divisions in the church are generally not over, believe it or not, matters of minor interpretation of theology. I think we get around a lot of that, the things that we don't quite comprehend or understand. I believe some of these things in Scripture become self-evident as time goes by, the things we can't quite grasp. St. Paul says we see through a glass dimly, so we do the best with what we've got. It always, in every church where there's been a problem, where I've just been an attendee, an observer, or the pastor, it always was over a matter of Authority. Authority. When God's authority was being challenged and put aside, and the debate of man became argumentative, divisive, hateful, angry, possessive. I, I'm going to share a story. I had a guy show how God works. Had a guy on what we called our church vestry many years ago. And this church had been around for many years and had never really grown. They were still in a storefront. I got them out of that. And there was always this, oh, if we could only have our own building, our own place, wouldn't that be just wonderful? And I had a guy that was elected to be on that church council vestry. And he was a fairly self-made man, retired from, New he worked on Wall Street in New York, he, he managed pension funds, and he had moved down to a country club setting in Florida, and he would be gone during the hot summer to Colorado to a place there. And one day, I had a lady in the congregation give me a call, wanted me to come over to visit with her. She was a widow, getting on in years, not in the best of health. And I came to visit, and along when I got there, there was her attorney sitting there as well. And she said, I just want to tell you that God has been very good to me, 
And I've kind of made my will out, but I would really like to see something happen with this church before I die and not after. So here's a check for $100,000 to get you started on a building fund. I looked at the attorney. Is this a problem? Oh, no. Don't worry about it. You'll get more <laughs> later. You would never have known that she had that kind of money in the bank because she didn't show it off. I mean, she just lived modestly. Always had. But they had seven figures tucked in the bank. And the church did get some more later. And I realized that this was the answer to prayer, to start a process in faith to begin to think in terms of possessing the building. But no, Ed, that was his name, no offense to you, Ed, different Ed. I think we should take that money and invest it for the next five or ten years into the stock market. And I said, wait a minute, this was given to build a church, not to invest. But I think we could double that money. I could probably, with my talents, triple this money. I think, and we got into this debate. He wanted to take authority over that gift for a building. And it came to a head when I thankfully found out he was also serving on the vestry of the church in Colorado. He couldn't serve on both, so I fired him. And he left. He wanted us to invest that $100,000 in Enron. Lord, thank you. Within a year, we moved into a church building bigger than this with a, with a 10,000 foot educational wing and fellowship hall and four acres of land. Because this woman had the faith that we could do it with God's help. And our people stepped up to the plate, and the church grew rapidly after that point. If the authority of man had tried to insert the authority of God, we would be dead in the water, watching our money go down the toilet with Enron. It's not easy to subject ourselves under God's authority because we instinctively don't want to do that. But we have to. One of my favorite hymns and anthems, and it always reminds me, and I'll close on this thought. It is at the name of Jesus that every knee shall bow, every tongue will confess him king of glory now. You're not going to stand before him and say, Jesus, bow down to me. I dare you. You will bow down to him. And when we try to take that authority from him, over his church, we're demanding he bow to us. I think we need to really put that in our heart and mind as we do the things that God has called us to do. Because we will, all of us, bow before his name. Heavenly Father, I thank you for today, this beautiful, cool day. I thank you for this congregation, this place, the opportunity. I thank you that we will come into your presence in just a few moments with thanksgiving, into your courts with praise, and into your presence at your holy table. I pray a blessing upon each and every one that has heard this message today, that you may open our eyes that we can see you in all your glory. For this we ask in Jesus' name. And all the congregation said, Amen. Crown him with
There is no doubt in my mind that at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow. People may mock him now. They may make fun of you. They may ridicule you. They may even use the power of the police to silence you at school board meetings when you talk about righteousness, holiness, right and wrong. When you call out evil, evil does not like to be called out. Just a little while ago, I talked about what St. Paul says about putting on the whole armor of God. And too many Christians are not fighters. They want to just hide in the corner, let the world go on around them, and hope that they have a better life in the sweet by and by. Yet nowhere in the scripture does it tell Christians to be lazy, to sit back and take it easy and have a good and prosperous life. We are the salt and light of this world. And too many Christians, the savor of their salt is gone. It's useless. Their light has gone out or it's hidden away. God is looking for a people that will stand for righteousness, stand for him. And as I said before, it begins at home with you. If you're not right with God, then you're not able to withstand a spiritual battle. And this world around you will close in. It's time to stand up and be counted. I don't know how to make it any clearer. I keep hearing the word revival, repentance, and restoration. Does that mean we're going to make, you know, a heaven on earth? Of course not. But we're not going to go down without fighting for what is right and standing for the truth of God's word. Are you ashamed to confess Jesus Christ to others because you're embarrassed or you don't want to lose your standing in your job? Don't be ashamed of Jesus, because if you cannot confess him before others, he will not confess you before his Father. We'll spend a lot of time next week getting into the news, of course, as we always do. But I want to, the, the balance we have to strike between preaching the Word of God and, and sharing the news and putting the two into perspective with each other. Those of you in Virginia, Pennsylvania, New Jersey, you have an opportunity in the United States on Tuesday, if you haven't voted already, to make a change. It's time to stand up and not let the world rule you. Be subject unto God Almighty. I'm not looking for a theocracy in this nation or anywhere. Because, see, if we have people of faith that take positions, then we can, we can make a change. We can change our nation from within. And it starts with us and our churches and our families. Don't let your kids just play with YouTube and video games all day long. Get them into God's word. It is your obligation as a parent and God will hold you responsible. Do you believe in our ministry? If you can help pay for the airtime, you can make a check payable to Ancient Word Radio. Our mailing address is 5753 Highway 85 North. That's 5753 Highway 85 North, number 3248. Number 3248 in Crestview, Florida. Crestview, Florida, 32536. Once again, 5753 Highway 85 North, number 3248. Crestview, Florida, 32536. We'll come back next week. We have a lot to talk about in terms of how do we revive our nation again? How do we stand up and be righteous 
and how do we as Christians make a difference in this lost and rapidly dying world. This has been Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. To find out more, visit our website, Truth, the number two, and the word ponder.com. That's Truth, the number two, ponder.com. Truth to Ponder, shining the light of truth in a darkening world.